Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Label 1976 podcast. I'm your host, True Straub. First off, I'd like to say that my thoughts and prayers go out to the Ukrainian people. And diving right into my catch-up, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I wanted to jibber-jabber just a little bit. Started a new gig on yesterday, and it's my first time stepping back into corporate America in a year and some change. So, yeah that happened and um i feel good about it i feel good about it honestly i said that i was not going back into corporate america because when i was in it it was very very draining i was in it well been in it really for like 25 years but the last position i had before we were laid off for covid it was that one was pretty light but the one previous to that that i was i was in um telecom for seven years that was a lot conference calls spreadsheets dealing with um, business to business not dealing with residential not dealing with you know regular people on the street don't want to call people regular but you know what I mean just not business professionals Um, it's different customer service whenever it's business to business because everyone has kind of something to lose and you have to talk to me like you have sense when it's business to business if you were working for Comcast and you were like in a call center people can just cuss you out or whatever, and it's up to you to release the call or not and get dinged on a quality assurance type of scoring system. But in business to business, it's better because everybody, people have decorum. It's different. It's just different. Every Somebody can be held accountable. We all can be held accountable. I like when there's accountabilities involved. I like when there are standards and I like rules. I do. Like I'm a very structured person when it comes to business and also life because if there are no rules things can get messy and people run amok and I know for me I do really good with rules if there are no rules there is no standard to live up to or to be held accountable for because you didn't set down the ground rules then I have my own standards and expectations that I set upon myself. It's just different, but we'll we'll get into all that because my topic is going to be boundaries. I think everybody needs rules or it would just be anarchy and mayhem. Moving on, do you know your neighbors? Like, do you know your neighbors? Like, have you been in your neighborhood long enough to where you know every single person that's around you, like in the circumference? Like the five people around you, the five houses around you, the five apartments around you, the five people as a whole around you. Do you know them? So I say that to say, since I have uh, Kenzo now, my puppy or whatever, and I take him out for walks, um, I take him out like it might not be um, light outside yet. So I might take him out like at 645, something like that. So I'm walking down the street and everything, got my bonnet on, my pajamas. <laughs> my sneakers or my Crocs or something looking crazy unbeknownst to me some people on my street get up that early and like are up and at them and out riding down the street and I'm just like wow 6 45 in the morning but tra- you have to understand traffic in Atlanta is horrible so to even get from to, to probably the side of town that you want to be on from where we live you probably need to leave like an hour and 15 minutes beforehand so you know take it or leave it um, know a lot of people just want to leave it. So, you know, walking down the street and everything um, early in the morning. And um, it's these dudes that live across the street. I think they're like frat. I want to say they're frat. It's about five young men that live across the street. Five young men. They got about eight cars. It's a four, four parking lot. Four little, four cars can fit in their little driveway, little area. Pickup trucks always kind of sticking out on the edge of the little curb and everything. I can't really back into mine. They're right across the street from me. My friend happened to send me a package and I got this hat that I loved from California when I went out there. She sent me the package back. I couldn't take the um, hat with me on the plane because I had already went shopping and I really didn't have any more space in my luggage. She ended up sending it, mailing it back to me. And I'm like, just really just excited about my hat and like, I can't wait to get it and blah, blah. 
So about a week goes by. She told me she had mailed it the week prior, but then like a week and a half go by. And I'm like, I haven't gotten my hat yet. And she's like, well, it said it was delivered. And so we went back over the address and she was like one number off. So I'm trying to look for 1924 because we're in 1922. So I'm trying to look at 1924 and I'm like, okay, it must be the house across the street or it's got to be the house beside me. So did my, had to do my whole Google thing and everything because their mailbox doesn't have an address on it. Um, so I'm like, okay, it's not 1924. All right, so Googled it and Google has a picture, a street view of their house. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go over there. So it's a car in the driveway or whatever. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon. So go and knock on the door and everything. Uh, nobody comes to the door, but I see a car in the driveway. I'm like, okay, they don't have any curtains up or anything. I'm just like, okay, this looks just real crazy to me. So knock on the door again, nobody comes. I'm like, all right, knock on it one more time for good measure, three times. The dude comes to the door and everything. He looks like really uh, well-kept, had a little surfer haircut. Look just real like very um very much like his name was Tom and he goes to Kennesaw State or something like that like just very regular but I'm finding that you know in this day and age the more regular people look and just like they don't have anything going on kind of thing those are the ones that you need to be scared of because those are the ones that are like non-suspect but when really they are suspect because y'all are the ones snatching people up allegedly off the streets you know what I mean and uh so I'm like hey um I think you might have got my package it said it was delivered to this address and everything he's like oh are you blah 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 and I'm like yeah so he's like yeah I was gonna I caught I contacted the homeowners association and I was gonna give them your package because I couldn't find um I, I went next door and then I went to the left and the right of me and nobody knew who this person was blah blah I'm like okay he's like yes yeah, so I was gonna give it back to them but I have it for you he gives me my box. Y'all, he had already opened it. Like, what if I was what if I was smuggling body parts from Tijuana to sell on the black market? Like, and now you've put me in an awkward situation where I have to dispose of you because now you know my secret. You know, like what if you just went into my stash? What if it was <laughs> what if it was just anything in there that you're not supposed to be seeing? If you knew it wasn't yours, I know your name. I have a very feminine name. You look like your your name is Tom or Brad. It definitely is not no Blah, blah, blah. Definitely isn't that. You know this is a woman. So why are you looking all in my package? What was the point of that? What, what's really good with that? I mean, if it was something that you could use, would you have Would you have just kept it? I mean, like, I don't understand why people go in other people's packages. That is so crazy. And so I went ahead and just took my package from Ryan. And I walk away after I take my package or whatever. And I promise you, I felt him staring at me going back across the street. So now I lock all my doors and make sure all my windows are locked at all times. So now that I have my puppy and I'm walking him down the street and stuff, and it's dark in the mornings, it is this big black truck that's always across the street at their house. It just looks like maybe they, maybe some of them go to college and some of them do lawn care service. I don't know, but they have this huge black truck. So I'm walking the puppy like yesterday morning. We were walking for like a good five minutes. Like I came out the door, walked down the street, walked around the block, came back towards the front. So I'm picking up everything and putting it in the, um, dumpster so then all of a sudden this black truck it just like the lights come on and it just cranks up so it was like a dude just sitting in the truck like just sitting there like how long have you been sitting there weirdo <sighs> I just wanted to share that because I, this just kind of creeps me out and you don't really know people so I'm like I want to go and introduce myself but they don't really seem that friendly and with the climate in America right now it's just no telling like if they're nice guys or they're not like, you know, people, people are crazy right now. Just be careful. I'm just leery of everybody. Or maybe it's just with age, I'm getting like, you know, don't touch my purse. I don't know.
It's just weird. I wanted to share that. So moving on to something that I uh, found interesting and um, just interesting. I won't really judge it. I'll just say it was interesting. This woman came forward and said that she was sexually assaulted in the metaverse. I think the metaverse is what Facebook used to be called. Like it's this avatar type thing. I want to say it's like sort of like a Sims where you can create your own avatar and create your own house and um, create your own atmosphere around you, social atmosphere, find friends, like a neighborhood, like Sims. And so she stated that she went into the virtual world. She was only in that virtual metaverse for about five minutes before her avatar was um, verbally sexually harassed and then also gang um gang raped in the metaverse so people were saying that you know this is a cry for help or you're just trying to get some attention or what's going on with that they had they gave they dedicated a whole segment on npr to this woman about this um sexual harassment and um sexual assault in the metaverse have you guys heard about that i urge you to look up on that it was an interesting little read now rolling into my things you possibly perhaps did not know for the last Thursday of February, which is Black History Month, I wanted to speak a little bit about the Children's Crusade that happened, that took place in 1963 in Birmingham, Alabama. I actually didn't know anything about this until probably like two weeks ago. Um, but the Children's Crusade, or Children's March as they call it, some people call it, was a march by over 1,000 school students in Birmingham, Alabama on May 2nd through 3rd of 1963. It was initiated and organized by Reverend James Bevel. The purpose of the march was to walk downtown to talk to the mayor about segregation in their city. So many of the children left their schools and were arrested, set free, and then arrested again the next day. The marchers were stopped by the head of the police, Bull Connor, who bought, yeah, he brought fire hoses to ward off the children and set police dogs after the children. The event was compelled by President John F. Kennedy to publicly support federal civil rights legislation and eventually led to the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So Malcolm X was opposed to the event because he thought it would expose the children to violence, which it did. Um, so it looks like basically what happened was that the children's parents could not attend the marches because they were being threatened by their employers at the time that they would get fired if they would have taken off work to attend the marches. So the children took it upon themselves to go march in their parents' places. I thought that was really noble. Um, so on May 2nd of 1963, thousands of children, they gathered at the 16th 16th Street Baptist Church in place of their parents, basically who, under Alabama law and social oppression, faced, again, harsh penalties such as loss of their jobs and jail time if they protested the racist and unjust segregation laws in Alabama. And also, before the Children's March, federal response was limited. So the federal government tried not to get involved because they wanted to balance federal authority and state rights. Just a bunch of hogwash. The Children's March played a pivotal role in ending legal segregation as the media coverage of the event further brought the plight of Southern African Americans to the national stage. So after additional measures were taken, President Kennedy could not avoid the issue anymore. So on June 11, 1963, he presented his intentions to establish new federal civil rights le legislation and end segregation in Birmingham. So he was stating this isn't a um, sectional issue, nor is it a partisan issue. It's not even a legal or legis legislative issue alone. We're confronted primarily with a moral issue. 
If an American because his skin is dark cannot eat lunch in a restaurant open to the public, if he can't send his children to the best public school available, if he can't vote for the public officials who represent him, if in short he cannot enjoy the full and free life which all of us want, then who among us would be content to have the color of his skin changed and stand in his place? Who among us would then be content with the counsels of patient, patience and delay? So he was basically saying we preach freedom, freedom around the world and we mean it and we cherish our freedom here at home. So we need to go ahead and get rid of that, um, the whole segregation and that we have and let you guys know we have no second class citizens. Um, so that pretty much is what happened. Uh, so the aftermath, the civil rights movement regained momentum and on August 28th, Dr. King led the march on Washington where he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. But on September 15th, the Ku Klux Klan bombed the 16th Street Baptist Church, killing four African-American girls. There's actually a movie, I think, on HBO that came on back in the day called Four Little Girls. Um, and I think that's about the four African-American little girls that were uh, killed in the 16th Street Baptist Church on that day in, on September 15th. So, yeah, that was September 15th. And then on November 22nd, President Kennedy was assassinated. So it was President Lyndon B. Johnson who saw the controversial 1964 Civil Rights Act through. So that was a victory for the civil rights movement uh, made possible because of the children of Birmingham. So the children who died in the church bombing were Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, and Carol Robinson, all 14, and Denise McNair was 11. So that is my thing you possibly perhaps didn't know for the end of Black History Month, but it's Black History Month every month, 12 months a year, depending on who you are and where you reside. Now I'm going to roll on into my topic for this episode. My topic is going to be personal boundaries. This came to mind because... I'm getting more and more into personal self-help books and just uh, researching more on how to be calm and have a calm mind and calm spirit and trying to kind of get into meditating as opposed to just praying. I'm still going to pray, of course, but trying to get into just like meditating and, and calming my mind and just having my mind blank because I'm, so, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person that I think a lot and I know a lot of other people have that same problem, the overthinking of it all. I think for me, a lot of my thinking comes whenever I feel like boundaries have been crossed. So personal boundaries, just to give you a little definition that they have, or the act of setting boundaries is a life skill that has been polarized by self-help authors and support groups since 1980s. It's the practice of open, openly communicating and asserting personal values as way to preserve and protect against having them compromised or violated. The term boundary is a metaphor, with inbounds meaning acceptable and out of bounds meaning unacceptable. Without values or boundaries, our identities become dif diffused and often controlled by definitions offered by others. The concept of boundaries has been widely adopted by the counseling profession. profession. So basically in life, the life skill is particularly applicable in environments with controlling people or people not taking responsibility for their own life. So then they also have this thing called Codependence Anonymous. And Codependence Anonymous, they recommend that you set limits. They recommend for their members that they set limits on what they'll do for people and what they won't do for people. 
And it just, it puts them like in a space to where they have choices. Because a lot of times if you're a people pleaser, like I'm a people pleaser with certain people, but then certain people I can flat out say no. But I find that sometimes if you're doing something for me, or it may be some, something that um, somebody's doing a favor or something, I feel more bound to say yes to those people because I'm a people pleaser. And there's some sort of exchange. So I feel like, oh, I need to do something back for this person sort of thing. And I myself had to get out of that. But see, also in the same token with me, that's why I don't like people doing anything for me. I don't, whatever I need done, I need to do it for myself. So I don't, I don't feel bound to anyone for anything. Always have your own this and your own that and everything so that you don't have to be dependent on anyone. That way you never have to really people please unless you want to. It's a choice. So it all can be a choice, but then it's also like you need to have that boundary set. You need to know this is my sta this is my standard for myself and I'm never going to be in this position where I need this so that my boundary is never crossed to where I feel like I don't really have a choice on something. Now, this isn't to fully say that I don't accept help and I don't like it and I don't like to be schmoozed on and things of that nature. It's just like it's more so like a don't not to be codependent. This one author, her name is Nina Brown. She proposed that there's four boundary types. Now you can see which one you fit in and I can tell you which one I fit in. So the first one is soft. A person with soft boundaries merges with other people's boundaries. Someone with a soft, a soft boundary is e easily a victim of psychological manipulation. That's soft. Second one is spongy. A person with spongy boundaries is like a combination of having soft and rigid boundaries. They permit less emotional contagion than soft boundaries, but more than those with rigid. People with spongy boundaries are unsure of what to let in and what to keep out. So three is rigid. Rigid, a person with rigid boundaries is closed or walled off so nobody can get close, neither physically or emotionally. This is often the case if someone has been the victim of physical, emotional, psychological, or sexual abuse. Rigid boundaries can be selective, which depends on time, place, or circumstances, and are usually based on a bad previous experience in a similar situation. Then you have flexible boundaries. Flexible is similar to spongy, rigid boundaries, but the person exercises more control. The person decides what to let in and what to keep out, is resistant to emotional contagion and psychological manipulation, and is difficult to exploit. Now, flexible seems to be the strongest one, right? So, the flexible one is probably easy going and are, are probably already had their head on straight and already knew what their boundaries were, period. And they're very assertive and they never let anybody kind of get in to ever sway their mind either way. Now, I would more so say rigid because with rigid, you have boundaries depending on something that happened in the past or a past behavior that you're like, you know what? This person did this. So I know when people do this, that's going to be my boundary. I'm never letting that happen again. So yeah, with rigid, that seems to be more often what probably they were saying like 45% um, of people when they take this test are usually rigid because you learn from your mistakes, right? So you know what, is, what, what your boundary is going to be. Now, from a people-pleasing standpoint at times, I wanted to go into this codependent relationship. So go back to the codependency relationship thing. So with codependency, it often involves placing a lower priority on one's needs while being excessively preoccupied with the needs of others. Codependency can occur in any type of relationship. It can be family, work, friendships, also romantic, peer, or community relationships. While a healthy relationship depends on the emotional space provided by personal boundaries, 
Codependent personalities have difficulties in setting limits so that defining and protecting boundaries efficiently may be for them a vital part of regaining mental health if they were to get back on to a healthy relationship coming out of a codependent relationship. So in a codependent relationship, the codependent's sense of purpose is based on making extreme sacrifices to satisfy their partner's needs. Codependent relationships signify a degree of unhealthy, unhealthy cleanliness where one person doesn't have self-sufficiency or autonomy. One or both parties depend on the other one for fulfillment. There's usually like an unconscious reason for continuing to put another person's life first. Often the mistaken notion that self-worth comes from other people. So that's really deep because a lot of codependent relationships, I think that some some people at some point in time, especially in your dating life, you've been in a codependent relationship or whatever, especially if you're head over heels for someone, they don't feel the same way or their head over heels for you and you don't feel the same way or however you do it or you guys both feel like you head over heels for each other and both of y'all lying because y'all dependent on this trauma bond kind of relationship thing that you're used to having who knows but i found this really interesting when i looked up um, boundaries but what are some of your boundaries like think about them because i really have to go back into my own space and redo some boundaries boundaries change every year they probably change every couple of months you know I, I think it really just depends on situations that you're in and different people that you meet but yeah I, I definitely think there should be some staple boundaries like this is never going to happen I don't I don't accept this this and this I will say this though if you know you have staple boundaries that are like your hard nose and someone continuously continuously keeps overstepping that boundary keeps breaking that boundary and you tell them about it over and over and over again and it, it just doesn't seem like it's getting through and it doesn't change you have to start thinking about what you're gonna do to get this 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 thing handled because something has to stop like something has to completely stop if people keep stepping over your your hard nose and that boundary because it's a slippery slope so if you can't show anyone or make anyone stop crossing over your boundaries verbally actions have to start being into play where you remove yourself where it's removal of the disrespect of crossing your boundaries so that's what i mean in respect to that and fye i'm still kind of on the covid boundary level don't like people in my personal space don't touch me still stay six feet i don't care if the mask mandate is up i don't care if chick-fil-a is open you know so think about your boundaries i thought it would be interesting for you to hear so my label 1976 music spotlight for this episode is going to be Keisha the Cole. Keisha Cole. Now, I am a huge Keisha Cole fan, um, regardless of her last two albums uh, not being commercially successful. I'm not that kind of um, fair-weathered fan like that. I love Keisha Cole. I've been riding since the beginning, since this the way it is, since uh, Sent From Heaven. I was actually in a whole relationship when that song came out and... I did not feel that way about that person and they did not feel that way about me. So I used to just sit on the floor Indian style and just listening to that song and singing it, wishing and hoping and praying for this one to be over so I can find somebody that felt like I was sent from heaven. Sad but true. Also, since I changed my mind with Kanye West, people might may not remember that, but she had that first single with Kanye West, I Changed My Mind, when she was looking real hood in that video with the um, booty shorts on and the, I want to say heels, in the middle of the hood. Just Keisha Cole, you know, just out here light-skinned trying to live. Trying to live her best thug passion life. 
Now, Keisha actually began her uh, career when she met MC Hammer at the age of 12, and later she met Tupac Shakur. Um, at the age of 15, she moved to Los Angeles, and she was introduced to A&M Records. She released her debut album, The Way It Is, in 2005. It spawned five singles, Never featuring Eve, I Changed My Mind, I Just Want It To Be Over, that was my jam, I Should Have Cheated, that was my jam, and Love. Never really cared for love, but it was the ghetto anthem for all the hood chicks. Um, it was certified gold within 17 weeks, and then it was platinum just eight weeks later. It stayed on the charts for over a year. It sold over 1.6 million copies. Uh, so A&M actually folded, never knew that, but uh, she released her second album, Just Like You, in 2007 under Geffen Records, and that album uh, debuted and peaked at number two on the Billboard 200. It was nominated for Best Contemporary R&B Album at the Grammys. The album has been certified platinum in sales by the Recording um, Industry Association of America, and it sold 1.7 million copies in the U.S. The third album, A Different Me, love that album too, it was released in 2008. Um, it debuted at number two on the Billboard 200 with the first week sales at 3,000, well, it was 322,000. Um, it was actually the highest of her career. Um, the album's been certified platinum. And the next album, Calling All Hearts, was released in uh, 2010s. They were just going back to back to back with Keisha. She had great A&R. She had, um, you can tell they really worked on her artist development initially. Because even before her album came out, I knew about her before the whole album dropped. Because they did a whole DVD of her performing live, just acoustic. And that girl could blow. And I was in love ever since then. I'm like, this is a real artist. She's beautiful. She has like this kind of sassy, younger Mary J. Blige thing going on. Very marketable, in my opinion. And it was just great. Keisha is one of those artists I do want to say that less is more. I only want to know her on a professional level. Because once she started doing the reality shows and then showing her extended family, showing her mother, you know, Frankie, rest in peace, had, you know, substance abuse issues. Didn't nobody need to really know all of that about her. Uh, personal life and it just showed how much she struggled with her mother her and her mother's relationship and things of that nature um, knowing her father I think her father was Italian American um, so she is mixed but very much a strong black woman you can tell she was raised around a lot of black strong women but yeah just 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 one of those artists where you know you just only need to know them professionally because her attitude over time it just make it just turn a lot of people off because people want you to be what they want you to be you know some people don't want you to be like human and have all these different sides to you i know the reality tv money probably with some good money ain't nobody trying to tell you not to get your bag and then you know once you say anything about beyonce you know it's kind of pretty much over for you a little bit on some level but like i said i've always been a fan and i'm always going to be a fan you know beyonce has that power for certain to make certain people stop messing with you and even though keisha cole writes a lot of her stuff she still had like some of her biggest hits where Neo and The Dream wrote her stuff. And Neo and The Dream, you know, they write for Beyonce a lot. So they stopped messing with her. Like a lot of people just in the industry stopped messing with her. So a lot of people want to say that it's the beehive, it's this and this and that. But Beyonce has a lot of pull. And, you know, kind of the same thing happened with Carrie Hilson. I'll make her my spotlight one um one of these episodes because I really love Carrie Hilson too. And she's very talented. And she's a singer-songwriter. Um, but anyway, yes, Keisha Coles is my label 1976 music spotlight for this episode. And I will put some of the links in the summary on her videos and um, 
yeah, you guys listen to some of her music. Her stuff is really good. And that, ladies and gents, will conclude my episode for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow on whatever platform you listen to your podcast on so that you're aware of each episode as they come up. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at True Straub and on Facebook at True Straub. Also, if you want to reach me, you can email me at label976 spelled out at gmail.com. And please remember, it's good to be loved, but it's profound to be understood. <laughs>